The Movement Church is all about passionate people who build authentic relationships to reach limitless potential and serves Orange County, California. For more information, visit us online at theocmovement.com. We hope you enjoy this message from the Movement. Listen, our pastors, our pastors are actually out of town. You've been bamboozled. That is why I'm here. Um, <laughs> everyone's looking at me like, what does bamboozled mean? That's okay. Uh, I made the word up, maybe. Um, uh, they're out. They, they have actually, they're celebrating a wedding right now. And so they send their love to you. Um, they, they, they wish they could be here, but they just, it wasn't, it wasn't practical. So they will be here at our team night tonight though. So listen, if you're, if you're coming to our welcome to church party, I encourage you to come to our welcome to church party. It's incredible. There's some really great people that are there. Our pastors are incredible. Come on, show some love for your pastors this morning. Three people. I'm clapping. <laughs> I'm going to clap. Can we try doing that again? I believe honor should be given where, where honor is due. Come on. Love your pastor. Yeah. They can hear you. We're recording this. They can hear you. So you don't want to look dumb. Um, <laughs> and listen, if you're a visitor for the very first time, I am actually, my name is Jeremy Parham. And um, I am the worship director here. And um, they have they have entrusted me with not screwing this up this morning. And so uh, if, if you don't like what you hear from me, that's okay. Come back and uh, you will hear our pastor, Pastor Carrie or Pastor Megan uh, really preach. Is that good? All right, I'm a Southern boy, so I tend to get a little bit country uh, sometimes. I'm sorry. And if you want to laugh at me, you can totally laugh at me. But um, this morning, I would really, really like to speak to you guys. We've been doing this Crash the Chatterbox uh, series. Who's enjoyed Crash the Chatterbox? It's been good, right? It's been very challenging. It's been very challenging for me. Um, been talking about our thought life and, um, and not letting our emotions dictate who we are and on our d- identity in Christ. And this morning, um, I would really like to talk to you about uh, the subject, it is better than you think. It is. It should, it should be encouraging. <laughs> Everyone's like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, but it's better than you think. It's better than you think. Is that encouraging? Maybe I want to encourage you a little bit this morning. So if you have your Bibles, your biblioteca, that's not how you say Bible in Spanish. It's a library. It's a library of books, so it works, right? It's going to be a long morning if you're not laughing at that joke. Uh, <laughs> turn to Acts chapter 16. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, and then we're going to pray, and then we're going to get into this. Is that cool? All right, I got 24 minutes, and hopefully this makes sense in about 24 minutes. Listen, if you respond, I will talk less, uh, sweat less, smile more, and get done faster. (laughs) So, amen, amen. I'm very insecure, so I need you to talk to me. All right, Acts chapter 16. Are you ready? Yeah, if not, we have it up here on the big screen. That way you can follow with us. We won't judge you much. Um. Acts chapter 16, verse 22, and we're going to read through 28, and then we're going to get started. Then the multitude rose up together against them, talking about Paul and Silas, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. Verse 23. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet with stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. I love that part of that scripture. I'm going to pause for a second. Uh, I want to I I emphasize that part of scripture. I love that Paul and Silas are in the darkest moment of their life. 
And instead of panicking, they chose to sing hymns to God. Ah, okay. We're moving forward. Hold on. It's going to be really good. Listen. In the prison, they were, they were uh, uh, at midnight. I'm sorry. I'm going to gather my thoughts. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. That's so good. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep... That's the jailer. And seeing the prison doors were open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Now look at verse 28. But Paul said with a loud voice, saying, stop. Do yourself no harm. We're all here. Can we pray? Yeah? Father, we love you and we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive. Father, that if you said it, you're saying it. That uh, if you promised it, it's a promise to us today. And Lord, we just pray that in the next few moments we'd be encouraged. And that you would show us that it is better than we think. We love you and we give you all the praise. And everybody said amen. <laughs> um, the, the, great, the great author, uh, Charles Dickens, says in his, uh, in his masterpiece, Tell of Two Cities, that it is the best of times. It was the best of times. And it was the worst of times. And I believe that's such a great statement because uh, I think it's so relevant. Because everybody has experienced the best of times. And then in a moment, it shifted into the worst of times. Have you ever been there? Uh, when I was growing up, I, like, I grew up in Texas. And uh, I was raised by my grandfather who uh, some of you might be able to meet in January. Uh, not January, but July. He's coming in. And uh, so I want to I I preface this story with I grew up in the South. Uh, I, we ate fried chicken all the time. Come on, beans and cornbread. All you people from the West are looking to be like this hillbilly. <laughs> Listen, this is what we did. We, we ate fried chicken. That's, <laughs> we love us some, uh, I don't know what we love. I, I ran out of jokes. But we, we, my, my grandparents, um, we, we, were, we were not the most, in, my grandparents and, and my family, we were not the most intelligent people. We were more hunters and gatherers. <laughs> it's what it is. Uh, and, uh, and as a child, I was kind of an idiot. And I can own that now. And I had a brother, and, and I had, his name to me was Satan. His nickname was Lucifer. <laughs> and I sometimes called him the Antichrist. And um, I just, I had a tough time with the guy. And, um, in my household, we did not believe in timeouts. There was no like, Johnny, stop. One, please quit. Please quit. Honey, please, please stop right now. Johnny, please. Two, don't make me get to three. Because when I get to three, nothing's going to happen. Uh, <laughs> we, we were not like that. Listen, it, we didn't get timeout. We got knocked out, right? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's what it is. And, uh. When I was growing up, my grandfather had a gift. He, uh, it was almost like taking off the belt was too slow. Like he would find whatever he could within the general area. And like, I mean, my, my grandfather's a pastor. He still was, or he still is. He was a pastor. And it's like, he'd pick up a pulpit, you know, you're, you're done. And, um, in this particular moment, I, I decided my, my brother, devil, Lucifer, Aaron's actually his real name. I decided to take some clippers and I offered to take some off the top. I'm a great older brother. He can trust me, right? So he sits down and he's like, sure. And, and I come in and I'm like, 
kid freaks out. I gapped him. He looked like it was, it was a bad haircut. And uh, he's, he's freaking out. Ah, he's losing his mind. He's losing his mind. And, and all of a sudden, my grandfather hears this. And before I know it, he has flipped me around. Come on, this is old school. So he, he dropped my pants. Y'all are like, you were beat as a child. Yes, yes, I was. And I'm here because of it. He's made me a better person. Uh, he flipped me around. And you know those orange wiffle ball bats? Like the big ones? Like when you hit the wiffle ball, it goes, boom, you know? He flipped me around, and you could hear it in the house. It, it was the worst of times. He's like, boom. I'm screaming. And all of a sudden I look back at my little brother and he's standing there going. It was the best of times. <laughs> notice, notice how in a moment, in a moment it goes, it can go from the best of times to the worst of times. And we've all experienced this. And, and I believe the difference, listen, the difference between people who can, who can withstand the process it's how you praise in the process. Listen, I believe the happiest people in life are the people who can praise and they can worship God in their greatest and darkest hour. Why? Because the Bible says, listen, the Bible says that he inhabits our praises. Listen, worship is not just something that happens whenever we walk in on a Sunday morning and we, we get through the music section of what the service is going to be like so we can maybe laugh at a couple of jokes and then go home and on Monday be miserable again. Listen, you have to understand that there's power in your praise. There's power in it because the Bible says that when you praise, he inhabits your praises. And I, I want to let you in on a secret. Everywhere that Jesus was in the Bible, bad stuff couldn't stay there. Hello. Come on, he'd walk into a room where a sick person was, and the moment his presence was there, that sick person would be, become well. Come on, a depressed person, someone, someone, who, someone who had an affliction, something like that, he'd walk into the room, he'd walk in, and it would go away. Why? Because his presence was there. There's power in your praise. It's the power, and there's, listen, if you're, if you're in this room, if you're in this room and you might be struggling with depression or something like that, I can tell you how to get your joy. Start praising God instead of praising your problem. Come on. The thing <laughs> clap, clap. If the, the thing is, you, and you have to understand this, you have to understand this. I've kind of got off. Angie's going to kill me because I've, I've already gotten off my notes a little bit. But uh, you have to stop. The thing that you give your praise to is going to have power in your life. The thing that you look at will be what you look like. You hear me? That's what James says. I believe it's James. Maybe not. I hope I got this right. But it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Why is that important? Why? Because in the middle of your process and in the middle of your darkest time, in the middle of whatever it is that you might be going through and struggling with, it's important that you focus your attention on the thing that can actually change your situation instead of your situation changing you. So you have to focus, you have to refocus your attention. And I believe the way that we refocus our attention is we stop praising the problem and we begin to praise the promiser. Yeah. And so here we find, here we find that we have two choices really to make. And it really is illustrated well in the, in the story of Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16. Whenever you're in a process, you're in a dark moment. 
whenever it all feels like it's all falling apart, whenever the chatterbox is going on in your head, you don't, you don't know what to do, you don't know what dire- direction to go in, whenever you got, your, you got a million thoughts, you know when you lay down at night and, the, and you can't get any sleep because you're thinking of all the things that have went wrong in the day, or, or maybe I can't pay the bill, or maybe my financial situation is not where I want it to be, you know, are my kids going to act right, or what are they doing in school, who are they hanging out with, uh, what is going on, maybe you're a student in here and you're like, where am I going to go to college? What am I going to do? Even if I go to college, how am I going to pay for college? Oh, my car broke down. Listen, I could go on for days about problems. And when you lay down and how the chatterbox begins to tell you that your problem is bigger than your God is. But I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that your God is bigger than your problem. Your God is bigger than your problem. And there are two things. I believe that we're met with two options whenever we are faced and confronted with these issues. And you can either panic or you can praise. You can either panic or praise. Listen, I, I see that, that, that most times, and I'm guilty of this as well, that, that we wait for a mountaintop experience. We wait for everything to be going great before we actually can really thank God for what's going on in our life. And it's tough to praise him in the valley. But sometimes on your way up to the mountaintop, you got to stop right in the middle of your process and go, you know what? I may not be... I may not get to the top of the mountain today, but I'm going to stop right here in the middle and I'm going to begin to praise God because I know that I'm going to get to the top eventually. It may not be now. It may not be next week. It may not be a year from now, but eventually I'm going to stop and I'm going to thank God in the middle of the climb. It's the climb, Miley Cyrus. You go up to the top. You're going to get there. Listen, you're going to get there, but you got to make the choice to stop and praise in the middle of the process. You hear me? You got to make the, You got to make the decision to stop and praise in the middle of the process. Well, how do I do this? How do I praise? How do I praise in the middle of what seems to be the darkest moment of my entire life? How do I do this? I have no idea. It seems overwhelming. But aren't you glad that we have a God who shows us in his word how we can deal with this? Aren't you glad that we have a God who can who can speak to our current situation right here, right now? Yeah, we look at this in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. It is the Paul and Silas evangelical association. They are killing it. They're going around. People are getting saved. The church is growing. Everything is going great. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they get locked in prison. They get locked up and they get locked up for doing nothing wrong. Come on, have you ever felt that way? You're doing everything right. I've prayed all the prayers. I come to church every Sunday. I serve on the dream team. I love my kids. I don't hit them with wiffle ball bats. I do all the right things. So why do I feel like I'm in prison? Why am I in prison? I didn't do anything wrong. I've done everything right. Why am I in prison? Why am I locked up? Why do I feel? I want to ask you, what is your prison situation this morning? You don't have to be a drug addict to be in prison. You understand that? It's like, well, I don't really, I'm not an alcoholic. Um, I don't struggle really. Um, I don't, you know, I don't look at pornography all that much. Uh, If you look at it all that much, you have an issue. Nobody wants to talk. Listen, you may not, you may not be a cokehead. 
You may not be, you may not be someone who struggles with, I guess, you know, you may not have killed anybody. You may not have been to prison. You may not, but you may have an attitude problem. (laughs) You may really hate your boss. And every day you go to work, you want to punch him right in the head. That's prison. Why? Because it's still in your joy. You're not free. You're not free. You can't be everything God created you to be because you're bound up in who they've said you are. Or who you think they say you are. (laughs) Half the time, they don't even say anything. You just think it. Chatterbox. Come on. You could be in prison and doing everything you feel like you're doing everything the right way. And you are locked up in prison. You're locked up in a cell. I want to ask you what that might be in your life this morning. And odds are is that everybody in this room, everyone in this room, when I said that, you thought of something. Big or small, you thought of something. And here's the truth. Paul and Silas are sitting in this prison cell. They're locked up. They are, they have done everything the right way. And I love it because Silas has got to look over at Paul, his mentor, and go, what? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Paul, he's, he's, I can only, I can just, I can just see it and, and, and entertain me for a second. I want you to kind of visualize this and we're going to, we're going to, the class participation, uh, uh, visualize this for a second. Paul and Silas are in a prison. Look, they don't have TVs on the wall. They don't get an hour of break time or whatever it is. You know, you see this stuff on TV. I don't know. I've never been to prison, so I don't really know what prison's like. Everyone's like, have you been there? No, I haven't. Shh. ADD, I didn't take my pill this morning. I'm sorry. (laughs) And Paul and Silas are sitting in a prison cell. They don't know what to do. Their heads would have been locked up in in shackles, their their feet and their hands, and and they'd be in stocks. They'd They'd be unable to move, and they'd be in the darkest part of the prison. There's no bathrooms. No nothing. And Silas has got to look over at Paul. Just for a second, visualize it if you can. He looks over to Paul and he's like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's the darkest moment of our life. What are we going to do, Paul? You've led me this far. You're my mentor. What are we going to do? Paul's like, oh, gosh, I can't move. I can't, I can't do anything. I can't, I can't, I can't change anything. I go, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? I remember somewhere in Proverbs it says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. Maybe, maybe, you know what, Silas, what are we going to do, Paul? What are we going to do? Are we going to pray? Come on, what are we going to do? And Paul then sings, my soul, my Savior got to thee. Did you see that? (laughs) How great thou art. I don't have Tourette's. This is, shackles are coming off. <laughs> How great thou art. You've got to try this. Silas is like, our God is creator. <laughs> Where did that song come from? <laughs> Sorry, that was for later. <laughs> okay. And I love, listen, their shackles came off. Why? Because your praise will dictate your atmosphere. The atmosphere changed everything. And and I know I I can, I can prove this to you because their chains weren't the only chains that came off that day. 
Everybody else's chains came off as well. Come on, everybody else. You, do you want to? Do you want to see? Do you want to see? And, and I, I know, I know, everybody can feel. I know everyone feels this way at some level. But there's people in your life that that are there's tough to be around, and the atmosphere is always down, and it's always depressing, and it's always. You know how to change the atmosphere? You start praising and being thankful. You start praising God and being thankful for what it is you have right now, and it'll change the atmosphere around you. Come on, that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this Christian walk. We'll never get to a place in our Christian walk, in our relationship with God, where there's nothing to praise God for. Right? Praise changes the atmosphere. And as, as this happens, as this happens, and he prays in the process, I want you to look at Romans, what, what Romans 5, 3 says. It says, rejoice in tribulation. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, Because everybody has something that they're walking through. Big or small, it doesn't matter. Romans says, Paul says in Romans, to rejoice in tribulation. Not for it, but in it. And that lets me know that you can always find something to be thankful for in the middle of your tribulation. In the middle of your problem. Choose to praise instead of panic. And they're in the middle. All the chains are off. The doors are open. It's so great. And all of a sudden, the jailer comes in. The jailer comes in and this is getting to my, my, the, the three things, the three things that I want to, I want to touch on primarily. God shows us three things to do when we feel like panicking instead of praising. And if you're taking notes, this is a good time to start taking notes. The jailer comes in and everything is, is going crazy. And, and, and arguably Paul and Silas have overcome what seems like one of their darkest moments. But now the jailer is in the middle of his darkest moment because what happens back, you have to understand this culturally. What happens culturally back then is that the person that was in charge of the prisoners, if anything happened to where the prisoners escaped or they left or, or whatever might happen, the, the guy who's in charge took on their, their, uh, their sentence. So that means there were murderers in there. There were thieves in there. There were all kinds of terrible people in there. And this guy knew that if they all got away, he was dead. That was it. He was ruined. And they were probably going to kill his family as well. They were probably going to torture him. They were probably going to do some really terrible things. So this man is in his darkest, arguably, it has to be his darkest moment. But what he didn't understand is that he was in his greatest miracle. See, 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 historians taught that from 12 to 3, it's called the third watch of the night. From 12 to 3, that was the darkest moment of night. But you know what 12 a.m. also represents? A new day. 12 a.m. represents a new day. And might I say this, you might be in your darkest moment. But let me encourage you that God's about to bring you into a new day. Hello? Hello? A new day. And you may not be going through your process that you're in right now just for yourself. Because your process isn't just for you. It's for people around you. Paul and Silas went through a a process. They praised and got free. Now they were met with an opportunity. Because they decided to praise in the process to affect somebody else's process. Isn't that good? So the jailer comes in and he's freaking out. And the only thing that seemed viable at the moment was, I got to kill myself. 
And Paul says three things that I think are so powerful. And I want to, I want to share them with you. The first thing he says is stop. And I feel like I need to tell some people in here, you might be walking through a process right now, but I want to tell you to just stop. Rest. Calm down. Whenever you feel like panicking, just rest. Listen, not all. I'm going to make sure that I get this right. Let me look at my notes real quick. Maybe. Yep, right there. Not all movement creates forward momentum. Do you hear me? Not all movement creates forward momentum. Some of you are trying and you're struggling and you're fighting and you're doing everything that you know to do and you feel like you're getting nowhere. Just rest. When I was growing up, I used to, I used to before I lived with my grandpa, I used to go over there during the, the summer. And as, I was, as I'd go over there, we'd sit and we'd watch Nick at Night. Did anybody watch Nick at Night? Yes, I am that old. <laughs> Some of you, some of the younger generation here is going, Nick at who? <laughs> Nick at night. All right. They had like, uh, what is it? Uh, had it anyway, there's a bunch of shows. I don't remember any of them. But uh, I used to watch it. And I used to want to stay up late. You know, remember as a, as a little kid, you used to always want to stay up late. At late as late as your, as your mom and your dad or whatever. And I, I used to always ask my grandpa, let me stay up late. And he used to always look at me and go, okay. Oh, yeah, stay up late. And the same thing happened to me every time that I stayed up late. I'd always fall asleep around eight o'clock. <laughs> Didn't matter. I could, I'd be watching, you know, spy versus spy or whatever it was. And I would fall asleep. Mary Tyler Moore done. She threw her hat up in the air asleep done. But a funny thing happened. I never woke up on the couch. I woke up in my bed. <laughs> you wake up and you're freaked out. Your clothes are changed. Like, How did I get here? <laughs> you know, you're losing your mind. You're like, well, well, I didn't do anything to get there. I rested and my grandfather picked me up and carried me to where I was supposed to be. See, some of the, some of the answer to your issue is not in you doing anything. It's you stopping. Psalm says it like this. Psalms 46, 10, I believe is what it is. Yes. Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Stop. Not all movement creates forward momentum. Some of you are actually hurting yourself by trying so hard. Stop. Rest. Be still and know that God is for you. He's not against you. He'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. Come on. That's why, the, that's why knowing the Bible is so important because you've got to hold on to God's promises in your life. When I don't know what to do, well, what did God say? He'll never leave me or forsake me. I'm going to be still and I'm going to know that he's God in my life and he still has a call and he still has a plan and he still has a purpose for who I am. I'm not going to let the process dictate my praise. I'm going to let my praise dictate my circumstance and I'm going to trust and I'm going to know that God is big and he's bigger than my mountain. He's bigger than my problem. You got to stop. Stop and rest. Some of you, some of you might be some marriages in here. Some husbands and wives fighting and, and, and struggling with your marriage. Just stop and rest. Stop. Well, shouldn't I work on it? Shouldn't I? She's got to change. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> just chill out. Stop. Rest. Be still and know that he's God. And he's with you and he's for you. Yeah? 
the second thing. Paul says, stop and don't kill yourself. Now, that, that alone is a, is a really, really good point. Don't kill yourself. But I want to metaphorically approach this point for a second. There might be some of you in this room, again, marriages. One of you or both of you have thought, you know what? It's not worth it anymore. All we do is fight. Our kids are demons. They literally growl at us. Don't know how to raise them. Uh, don't stop or don't kill yourself. Don't kill your marriage. Don't walk away from your marriage. Well, you know what? I've had enough of that guy telling me what to do. I'm done with this job. I don't need this job. Yes, you do. You have bills. Relax. <laughs> don't walk away from your job. Some of you have, some of you might be struggling with depression. Some of you might be walking through some really, really dark things. And it actually seems reasonable that, that, that death is the way out. Stop. Stop. Relax. Don't kill yourself. Some of you have been working in the church. You've been volunteering on the dream team. You come in every week, the crew, and you set up at 5 a.m. Then you get up Monday and you, and you work all day. And then we got, we got church and then we got this. And I just feel burned out. And I, just, I just, you know what? This church thing isn't really worth it anymore. I'm just going to go back. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. No one's going to miss me anyway. No one is going to notice that I'm not there. Listen, stop. Don't walk away. Don't walk away. Don't walk away. Stop. Don't kill yourself. Don't walk away from the promise that God has for your life. Because the truth is, is that if this jailer would have walked away, would have killed himself, I'm sorry. If, if this jailer would have killed himself, his entire family would have missed out on being saved. Because in the story, if you can go back and read it, in the story, his entire family gets changed and saved because he did not kill himself. Listen, some of your families, some of you have been praying for some people, maybe some of your friends, some of your family, some, some things to happen in your life. Don't kill yourself. Don't walk away because you deciding to make that choice will change their future. Don't kill yourself. Stop. Rest. Don't kill yourself. Don't give up. And lastly, Paul says, because we're all here. We're all here. Everybody is here. I love this because I, I, I want you to look around the room for a second. We're all here. We're all here. We're not just a bunch of people that come together and just hang out and we do church one day a week. And, and that We're in this with you. Do you hear me? We're family. You're all here. And on top of that, on top of that, the Bible says that God will never leave you or forsake you. You don't have to worry about people leaving you because God is always with you. Always. No matter how dark the night, no matter how big the problem, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter the process, we're all here. Everyone is here. Everyone is here. And I want to I I speak maybe for just a moment. For just a moment. But if you're in this room right now, let's just and let's let's do this. If everybody's head bowed, eyes closed, I'm done. We're gonna pray. But you would say, 
Jeremy, I, you know, this, this word really hit me, sort of really hit me because I have, when faced with a process or faced with a problem, I've chose to panic instead of praise. I want to speak to the person in the room right now who, who you're working and you're working and you're working and you feel burned out. You feel, you feel like you can't go on. You feel like you've done everything that you know to do, but every, you've done everything but rest. And I want to speak to that person who's tired, who's anxious, who's stressed out. And you say, you say, Jeremy, I, I just need to stop. I need to rest. Or maybe you're in this room and you're ready to walk away from whatever it is that you, you want to walk away from. You're ready to be done with it. I want to pray for you this morning that, you, that God would give you the strength to stay where you are. Be planted where you are. Listen, it's so important that you're here. You don't kill yourself because there are people who need you. I want to talk to the person who feels like they're all alone. And I want to pray for you and, and let you know that, that God's here. He's with you. Be encouraged because it's better than you think. It's better than you think. And if you'd say, Jeremy, I'm in one of, the th- one of those three places in my life. I, I need to stop and I need to relax. I need to rest. I need to learn how to rest and just trust God. And know that God is God and he's going to take me where it is that I'm supposed to go. I just need to trust. Or maybe you're in that place where you're about to walk away. You're going to walk away from church. You're going to walk away from your job. You're going to walk away from your marriage. You're going to walk away from whatever it is you're going to walk away from. Listen, I want to encourage you not to walk away. If you're in that position, I'm about to, I'm about to leave, Jeremy. I need strength. Or if you feel alone in this room, all by yourself. Alone in a room full of people. One of those three areas in your life. If that's you, I want to pray for you quickly. Father, I love you and I thank you. Lord, I thank you that your word declares that. That all your promises are yes and amen. Yes and so be it. And right now I just pray strength over people who want to walk away. Lord, I pray for people who just need to stop and rest in you. And I pray that you would be their peace. And Father, I pray right now for people who feel alone, and I pray that they would have a real experience with you right now. That they would understand, they would have the reality that you are a God and you are real in their life. And they would experience you in a real way, not a creepy way, but a real way. And I want to say one more prayer. If there's anybody in this room who's never, who's never made... Jesus, the Lord and Savior of, your, Savior of your life. You've never accepted him into your heart. Listen, the Bible talks about a, a, a gap between us and God, and it was a sin gap, but Jesus came to bridge that gap between God and man so that we could, we could be saved and that we could experience life in Christ. And if that's you, if you've never accepted Christ in your heart, say, Father, I love you. I give you my life. And I accept you into my heart. I'll never be the same. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Find out more about us at theocmovement.com. Or we'd love to meet you in person this Sunday. Till next time, Orange County.